0: Hi, this is Jason Alvir, producer here at the On The Line podcast for the California Coalition for Youth, California Youth Crisis Line. Um, just a couple of notes on these upcoming episodes. Um, California and the United States have been uh, ordered to shelter in place, uh, so uh, you may hear a uh, in audio quality than what you're used to if you've been listening since the beginning. Um, We are all recording this podcast from our own homes, so we are pretty much at the mercy of, you know, Zooming in or Google Hangouting in or FaceTiming in. So uh, what you'll be hearing is uh, you'll be hearing our podcast hosts, uh, recording this audio from home and sending it to me to compile it together for you guys. Um, also we now have an email address that if you are looking to get any of your questions answered, or if you want us to talk about something that you're interested in, uh, you can email us your suggestions at, uh, podcast at cal That's podcast P O D C A S T at calyouth.org, C-A-L-Y-O-U-T-H dot org. We also want to remind everyone that even during this pandemic, our California Youth Crisis Line's phone number and chat functions are still operational. You can reach us via call or text at 1-800-843-5200. That's 1-800-843-5200. You can also reach us via chat online at calyouth.org slash chat. That's C-A-L-Y-O-U-T-H dot O-R-G slash C-H-A-T. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On The Line. I'm here with Logan, and today um, on our COVID-19 series, uh, we'll be talking about what social distancing Uh, means for survivors of domestic violence. And then we'll touch a little bit about, um, you know, like teen dating violence. Um, And then also just, you know, we look at youth as teens, but they're not always necessarily teens um, here at California Coalition for Youth, uh, specifically the California Youth Crisis Line um our age range is 12 to 24 so we range in quite a bit of the adult population as well so um let's get to it
2: yeah we'll we'll first kind of talk about what what like domestic violence is and it can be used as like domestic violence inter-partner dating, uh, dating violence just dating violence um at, at all kind of synonymous terms um when we talk about relationship abuse those are all different words that you might hear and they all kind of mean the same thing. And there's many different forms of dating violence or relationship abuse. It could be from physical, emotional, sexual, technological, financial, spiritual, and they all are prohibiting somebody or inflicting some kind of pain in those areas. So like physical abuse is like maybe hitting, slapping, other things like that, restricting movement. Um, emotional can be name calling, teasing, um, gaslighting, other things like that, sexual. Um, could be coercion into having sex. Um, it could be rape or sexual assaults. It could even be like coercing them into having a child with you, or sabotaging birth control um, technology. Could be like what you see now with the rampant use of technology is like internet use is just uh, bullying via online, or requiring passwords, or restricting them from certain usages of like Instagram or whatever social media outlets um are really monitoring their um usage of social media and then financial could be that they use you know their financial income as a way of supporting them in like using um you know you can't do things unless i pay for it or like you can't pay for your own things or like any money you get is my money type of thing and spiritual mm-hmm. like religious use or like not letting them practice in things that are good for their their kind of mind and, and soul whatever that they believe in it could be um Sabotaging their practices, making them eat food that they're not well, I'm supposed to eat due to their religion or putting curses on them or talking about not getting into whatever religious denomination they're in or like stopping them from their practices it could all be forms of abuse. Um, and we want to talk about abuse in general to our domestic violence and, and dating violence um, with COVID-19 because um, if you are uh, sheltered in place and you're sheltered in place with your abuser, what what do you do or mm-hmm. how do you support somebody who has an abuser with them um, in the home? Um, mm-hmm. there are some things you can do or how do you support this person?
1: And I think it's, it's important to talk about this because a lot of people, um, if you're in a situation with someone um, who is practicing a, a different type of abuse than what we're used to seeing, um, we're used to seeing in the media and in our society, a physical abuse and so often it's easier to spot uh that kind of abuse um and and maybe even understand that it is abuse um and when you're sheltered in place with someone who may be uh practicing a different kind of abuse that you know falls under the list that logan just um spoke about it may not be as a parent and you may not even know that this is something that's happening And one thing that I'd really like to put forth is um, just in my experience working with people who've been in domestic violence situations and then working on the line as well. um, And the thing that is most simple in looking at it is when someone is eroding your boundaries little by little over time. Um, and often uh, when speaking with people who are uh, survivors of uh, abuse they often kind of find themselves in a place where like you know how did I get here Uh, you know because as an adult sometimes you don't realize like how you got to a point where someone is restricting you in some way um, and you don't know how you got there but just in a simple way if you look at your situation And you see, like, has someone eroded my boundaries little by little over time to where I got to this point? So, for instance, when you first start the relationship um, with someone, and this could be a friend, this could be, you know, even a family member. It doesn't always have to be a significant other, but today we're going to focus on that. So when you first start the relationship with someone and you tell them, you know, I don't tolerate people raising their voice um, at me or I don't tolerate name calling um, during arguments or during disagreements, um, and at first that person adheres to those rules, and over time they might throw uh, an expletive at you, or they might throw uh, a name at you, uh, or call you out of your name, um, and it might it might pass. Uh, you might address it. You might say like, "Don't call me that," or "Don't don't talk to me like that," but in the moment, it might pass, and then it continues to happen, um, and then that person may escalate uh, to the next boundary that you had and discussed when you first got uh, in contact with them. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and with that too is like um, many folks uh, don't have like this understanding of you know why do uh, survivors or victims stay with their abuser or with their abuser for any amount of time. Um, once they've kind of done the initial, whatever the abuse is, because it didn't always start out that way. Um, there wasn't like they got together and then it was abuse, like Bianca was saying, it was it's like that they kind of erode your boundaries away. Even if you're not clear cut about what your boundaries are, um, they might do things that you don't enjoy or do not like. And it's very visible either by your body language or from the words that you say that that's not okay to to do or say those things to you um and it slowly it slowly progresses to a point in like there's kind of like that cycle of um of violence that um in many trainings that i've had they've talked about like this this power and control and that abusers usually abuse because they need the power and control of the relationship that they need to you know be the one who's dominating over this person. And the, the kind of wheel that it goes into is that like the, this like honeymoon phase to this tension building to this explosion phase. And that there's different responses for the victim and different responses for the abuser. Um, you know, the abuser might be apologetic um, for the honeymoon phase and saying, like, you know, I'm sorry, this will never happen again. Um, and then they might buy gifts or do other things to show that they care about this, the, their partner all the partners like forgiving and hopeful and like maybe things will change. And then it goes back to the detention field building phase where it's like nitpicking, maybe name calling again, um, and are like just overall like angry attitude, like grumpy and the the victim is blaming themselves and maybe walking on eggshells being really afraid of what might happen next. And then it goes to the explosion where the abuse actually happens. Um, And then the victim may or may call may or may not call the police or run away, or not really but like flee or um try to calm down while they're getting abused. And then it kind of repeats that cycle over and over again. Um and it'd be really hard when you know uh the beginning was so good and it's hard for us to move out of that honeymoon phase and knowing that it goes it, it might go this way. And like each of the honeymoon phase kinda of gets shorter and shorter as the the um relationship progresses in itself. And that might just be the tension explosion. Um and you know I've been I've talked to uh, a few different victims uh, and like heard stories of other victims talking about how that they're very aware of their kind of cycle um, at this point that it just goes tension building to to explosion and they know exact signs what's what their partner says um, does um, and what to do next and a lot of people have given up on them um, or it could be that they're uh, they've settled for what their life is like and um, we, we think that the people can we, we hope that we can change people in relationships but it's not true <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the time that we can change people um, and getting into the business of changing people is a hard one to get into um, mm-hmm. because it, it most often does not work <laughs> um, especially if they don't want to change that's a personal choice that people have to make uh, you can't force people to do anything and so um we hope that you know people can either help themselves get out of it or get support from other people so like maybe safety planning and safety planning doesn't have to be um you know when my abuser explodes this is where i go like i'm ending it uh it needs to you know i need to wash them from my life completely because we know that it's you if you are in an abusive relationship and you haven't left at all or yet, or you have left and come back, like you it might that might happen again. That's just a reality and that's okay. Um, we hope that eventually you'll get to a place where um, you keep yourself safe and in, in, into a healthier relationship or get some kind of counseling in any kind of way. But safety planning can happen at all steps. It can be from choosing to stay, preparing to leave, or already leaving. What are your steps? What are your safety planning steps? And we encourage that these things be done with somebody you trust or somebody that might be a little more like um helpful in safety planning so you can always call always call our number and and talk to somebody about safety planning if you are in an abusive relationship what should i do i can't leave my house if you're uh, you know if it's covid 19 and you're in shelter in place and you don't feel comfortable leaving your house and your partner's the only one you can stay with and you're in an abusive relationship how can you do safety planning in the home and Mm -hmm. that takes a little bit of preparation and needing to talk with more than just yourself about what would be best for you um because we can be wrapped in our mind a lot about the future and what that can hold. Um, And it's really helpful to have somebody to be present with you in the moment to talk about what can you do now versus if I do this now, then this and this and this and this and this this will happen. And it can be really hard to plan when it's chaos, when you think of the next steps.
1: I think that it's, it's also like, what you just said is super important, Oregon, about like being in your mind. Um, And Often, we'll, I'll touch back on the, the abuse cycle. Um, one of the tenets of that is, is isolation. Um, and when you have been isolated, it is very easy to feel like you're completely on your own dealing with this on your own. Um, and I would absolutely encourage people to call us on the line. Um, like I said, we're 12 to 25 or 12 to 24. Um, it doesn't matter, give us a call. Um, if you are sheltered in place with someone who you don't feel safe with, give us a call and we can help you to you know, plan out your next move. Or if you just need to talk to somebody because you feel absolutely alone, give us a call. Um, and I think it's also really important to highlight one um, very important thing about this is that domestic violence doesn't just happen In the context of heterosexual relationships um i think and it also does not only happen uh to women Um, and i think that it's super important um to highlight that that um everyone um can deal with domestic violence or violence within a relationship or abuse within a relationship whether that be uh, physical mental emotional spiritual financial etc all of the um types of abuse can happen to anyone in any type of relationship so don't feel excluded because your relationship doesn't look like what you see often um just i would say go with the adage that if you do not feel safe um in your relationship if you if you have a partner who's not making you feel safe uh, that would be the intro into conversation of am I, am I uh, a victim of abuse uh, and what kind of abuse um, is happening for me
2: Yeah. or if like you just even like, if it's not even to the level of abuse in, in your relationship and you are sheltered in place and you're having a hard time with your partner mm-hmm. if you're currently living with them or if you're not living with them and you're having a hard time because you ha- you can't see each other whatever yeah. it is, you can always call our line too and just and talk about what's going on in your relationship and what would be the Maybe the next best step for you and your partner to help figure out what to do. Um, or for yourself if if it is an abusive relationship, it's not really good to have your abuser with you on the line talking about yeah. how to make them stop abusing you. Um yeah. most likely will will be in detriment, it might cause an explosion in itself or them to abuse you shortly after. Um because they they're feeling like they're losing that that power and control yeah, you're reaching out for help.
1: And um, I would definitely suggest um we have a chat and text function which is a bit more secure um we have a you can you can um text us directly at our 1-800 number um you have access to chat through the computer um and there is a function i believe that will close out uh, immediately immediately for the chat function and then you can always delete your text um so if you feel unsafe you can kind of pull out of that process. I know phone calls are not as feasible if you're not in, in a safe situation. Mm-hmm.
2: And it might also be helpful too if you are um, using the line and you're calling and you're worried about them going through your phone and um, figuring in like you know if you call 1-800 number and, it's, and they're like asking you what it, who this is you can always save that number as a different um, alias too, to right they, they if they check your recent calls it can be like a friend of yours is also That's saved under that or your mom or your parents or a good whatever whoever um, just so they don't ask questions about who what's this 100 number that you're calling because they can look it up too and, and see that it's a, a crisis line and they might they might get worried that you're trying to reach out for help um, and that they might lose power over you in that way, so it's a small tip in, in that section too. Um, and Bianca, do you want to talk about a little bit about if you have a friend who is experiencing domestic violence and what you can do as like a, as someone who is a witness or a, a family member or a peer or whatever it is, and how they can best support somebody who is um, currently experiencing experiencing abuse?
1: So I think um, just. What I could say about that, and that's just from uh, professional experience and academic experience and maybe even some experience um, personally with some of my own friends, is that um, it's really important to approach a situation in a non-judgmental way. Um, and so what that means is, is no matter how many times that your friend has gone back to this person, um, no matter how many times this person tells you, um, that you know they're afraid or um, that they don't know what to do never treat them like you're judging them Um, and it it takes a moment for you to kind of look at yourself as well and understand that anybody can end up in a situation like this uh, because it is a situation of someone eroding your boundaries little by little over time and often we don't realize that we're going into that place. And so approaching it in a non judgmental way by saying, hey, I'm always here to support you no matter what decision that you make. And do not encourage your friend to leave their partner unless that is what they are planning to do. Um, and I know that sounds very counterintuitive, but often um, conventional wisdom is now saying that uh, it takes. I don't know um i think over i've heard uh 10 to 13 times before someone is able to leave a partner um, like wealth yeah sure. yeah something around- about someone around that somewhere around that um that number and so when you are encouraging someone to leave an abusive situation specifically if it's like a financial abuse or if it's someone who is really physically hurting them um understand that when you encourage someone to leave that there is a bit of danger involved in that situation and often that is where you see abuse escalate um with with abusers uh abuse begins to escalate and it can become more dangerous for your friend uh in those situations so before you look at the situation with your friend and you say well girl you you know or You know, girl, you're stupid for staying with that person. He hits you in the face. You know, understand that it is not that simple. And um, this person may actually love this person because there are definitely times where there was a bond that was built, that there was a a loving relationship at that time. The unfortunate part about abusive relationships is the, uh, the dichotomy of it all is that there is a loving part of that relationship there at, at that point. There is a honeymoon phase mm-hmm. um, and there is a connection that was built. There had to have been an order for abuse to occur over a period of time. Um, and so listening to your friend, being an active listener and really being um, a person who is open-minded to, to what's going on. And when your friend finally does look to you and they say, or they talk to you over the phone because we're social distancing here, um, (laughs) or they're texting or they're chatting or whatever. And they tell you, you know, I'm ready to be, I'm ready to leave. I'm ready, uh, to be rid of the situation. Um, then that is when you go along with the plan that your friend feels most comfortable with. But, um, it's very, uh, it's very much more complicated now that the COVID-19 situation has hit us all here. Um, and so safety planning, uh, can get really difficult. Um, but just making sure that if you have a friend who comes to you with these situations, that you are open-minded, you are non judgmental, and that you are not suggesting what that person should do. Uh, because here, especially here at the line, um, we can't tell people what they should do with their lives because we're not with them a hundred percent of the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a hundred percent of the time with my friends either. And so I can't tell them what they should do. I can tell them, you know, I don't think this situation is healthy. Um, I don't think that this situation is the best for you. Um, but I will support you in whatever decision that you make.
2: I think that it, that non-judgmental piece is like really, uh, huge in in like what to do because even if they do decide to leave their partner um for abuse is that being supportive and non-judgmental in that aspect being like you know i'm you know i'm glad that you left like i never liked them um you know they hurt you like they are terrible like why did like they in that even if they do decide to leave those are not the words you want to hear about your partner in that moment because you're sad and lonely or right. upset about ending a relationship regardless if it was good or bad yeah. uh, and it's also really good to to do that if you're if your friend ended a relationship that wasn't abusive they ended any kind of relationship um for whatever reason that they don't that no one wants to hear you know i broke up with my my partner for like you know been two or three years and that we just broke up because you know it just didn't work out or like um you know so and so they wanted kids and I didn't and whatever it is whatever the reason is and your friend to go well I'm glad you broke up with them because I hated them like no one wants to hear that um, <laughs> like <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of just like a you know then one of those interactions that we had before like it's being supportive like I'm really sad to hear that even if you did hate that person like just being supportive and being non-judgmental in that way of like uh you know, this is, must be really hard for you. I'm here for you. If you need to talk about it, um, breakups are always tough, like, regardless of the situation, they're very hard. Um, and there are some words you can say or even some suggestions uh, of, like, how to best support your friend who's doing this. And again, like, safety planning too is like safety planning if you like, not your job to do that with your friend, um, but you can always refer them out to, like, our number um, or any other resource that you see would be helpful to, to them in the moment. Um, and if you don't know any, you can always give us our to num- give them our number and our number. We can actually find resources for them if you're unsure or if you want to give us a call and you want additional resources for you or your friend um, in this topic or really any topic, we can help you find that in your area as well. Um, even with COVID-19 going on, there's still service providers um, out there in the community uh, open in accepting people either face-to-face or on Zoom or online. Um, and again, you can always text or call. Chat with us online, and our number is 1 800 843 5200. You can text that same number too, uh, and we're open 24 7 even during this time. And again, if you are having trouble connecting via phone, text or chat with us online. It might be a little bit quicker just because we have uh, limited availability over the phone um, with the with the shelter in place going. And so, again, that's 1 800 843 5200. Call or text, and you can chat with us online at slash chat. <laughs>
1: Thank you for um, joining us again here on the line with our conversation about uh, COVID-19 and social distancing um, and how domestic violence and being a survivor of domestic violence um, could play out.
0: Thank you for listening to On the Line with Bianca and Logan. The California Youth Crisis Line is a program funded by the California Office of Emergency Services. We are a free call and text crisis line open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Youth, family, and friends experiencing crisis can talk to one of our counselors today by calling or texting 800-843-5200. Again, that's 800-843-5200. Or visiting us at www.calyouth.org/cycl. Our hosts are Bianca Christian and Logan Scheidler, and our producer is Jason Alviar. Check.